Good afternoon, good morning, or good evening, and welcome to the American Age Podcast. I am talking to Stephen Fullwood and Seth Rodney again today. Gentlemen, how are you doing? Howdy. Hey, I'm glad to be here. We thought uh, last weekend at the conclusion of our conversation, we decided that we wanted to do a part two. Um, and uh, this was a continuation of the discussion on the noble lie, which veered into a more concrete and specific territory, thanks to Seth, uh, on and provided by Stephen the example of the American dream. And um, Stephen, Seth, do you, one of you want to, Seth, you had just re-listened to the tail end of the podcast. Do you want to maybe segue us into today's part two? Well, I think where we left things is that Stephen and I had to sort of get over our initial shock when you made (laughs) so bold as to suggest (laughs) that with our deep-rooted skepticism about the American dream, that nevertheless, nevertheless, we are in some ways, products of it. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that, right. in fact, the other dreams that we have or the other noble myths that we, that we pass through uh, on a daily basis, perhaps, are just as fictional, just as myth- mythological, but we mm-hmm. don't necessarily initially recognize them as such. So Stephen was talking about being a gay man and like mm-hmm. moving from his place in Ohio to find a world of people who he could recognize himself in, and that that was a kind of a kind of a kind of paradise um, idea. Mm-hmm. And I talked a little bit about um, thinking when I was younger that if I found a community of like-minded intellectuals, of people who were really mm-hmm. seekers of truth that mm-hmm. that would be my kind of paradise. Mm-hmm. And I think the podcast ended with us realizing that all of those are kinds of myths. Of course, and, yeah. And, mm-hmm. and, and none of those things are, tr- are true. And perhaps they're, they're, for many other people, or most other people, they're, they're never true. So I think we, we, the question that we ended on is, well, how is it possible to live in a place where you're not constantly sort of ensconced in myth. Like, what mm. what point do we get to be grown-ups who look mm. at the circumstances of our lives and say, okay, this is what we have to deal with. Let's go. Hmm. I'm gonna. Let, I I would. Uh, I would probably object to to juxtaposing adulthood with not living Word. in mythology. But why do? Yes. But but okay. I'll let Stephen. I'll let Stephen jump in. So <laughs> I mean, it's, all right. That, that's <laughs> that's exactly it. It was like, <laughs> it was almost like you know. Now that I'm adult, I must put my t- toys away. Is that you know? Mm, that's the thing. Yeah, yeah. So I found mm. it. I, I I found that. I was like, well, that's really powerful. But but I don't know if it's possible to not live without some kind of myth, some mm-hmm. kind of way of thinking that, whether it's the myth of marriage, whether it's the myth of, um, I don't mm. know, growing older. <laughs> I mean, mm. that kind of basics. And so when you said that, I was like, this notion of paradise is built upon, like obviously shared language, shared expectations, shared um, mm-hmm. goals, and so forth. And Toni Morrison's book, I mentioned her a lot. I might have mentioned this before in a, pa- in, in a past podcast, that... She, the first line of the book is, or first few lines of the books are, a paradise is called, she goes, they shoot the white girl first with the rest they can take their time. You see, there was this many miles between this land and this land. And what she was said in the interviews was that the least reliable piece of information you have about someone is race. 
Mm-hmm. And I take that as a, a jumping off point to think about the ways in which we think our shared experiences gets us closer to each other mm. and makes us closer. It was something you said before, Seth, in our last podcast about this shared um, intellectual, honest community that could mm-hmm. just be full of people that you loathe. <laughs> right. Do you know? Right. Right. And so I, I was just thinking about the myth thing, and I think... I agree with that. It was like, oh, I want to find a group of people who are artists and who are thinkers and who care about people and are activists. And some of these people I have profound, deeply, deep uh, disagreements with. Mm-hmm. You know, we all share certain myths that mm-hmm. we, we, we're we looking forward to and we kind of serve as a beacon and some kind of glue for our friendships, mm-hmm. but they really don't do the work. But I don't mm-hmm. know what, in lieu of what. Like, what else could hmm. we put there? Hmm. Travis? Yeah, I, uh, yeah, so I, I think, I, you know, I think that the noble lie, the American dream, the idea that you can have uh, a community of like minded people, of shared principles, mm-hmm. uh, I think I basically agree with Socrates via Plato that it's a necessary fiction. Mm. Uh, and, and that, in that it's not that it's a lie or 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 perhaps it's adolescent in the sense that all of those imagined communities are adolescent and in a kind of wish fulfillment but but that they noble things are born out of them i mean hmm. they, they, i mean could could Martin Luther King have led a civil rights movement that did not draw potently on the American mythology of of equality for all, so equality for men, you know, and then, you know, reluctantly we add women into that. Um, and, mm. you know, so that there's, there's, there's always a resistance from the people that have the spotlight or the attention or are the anointed ones. They don't want to give up their little their little piece of the pie, right? Mm-hmm. And, the, in, and, and then the people on the periphery around the edges were like, no, we want our share of this. But, but isn't, isn't the pursuit and the belief of that as, as flawed and fractured and in some ways dishonest as it seems mm. also produce uh, magnificent things? Mm. I mean, like just stirring, moving... Uh, compelling moments in human history. Letter from a uh, Birmingham jail. Yes, yeah. uh, abs- absolutely. Uh, uh, yeah, and a long list of other things. Mm-hmm. And and so I I I think you know to 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 take it in a uh, to try and push it forward a little bit. I think that we were too hasty as an intellectual community, as progressives, to register a break, a a discontinuation from that narrative of progressive equality. So I I feel like that what was potent about the civil rights movement uh, and, you know, perhaps to a far less extent, because I basically think it was a pretty bougie, but, you know, kind of the 60s peace and love move. I mean, you know, in, in some senses, a movement of, of great entitlement. But but the civil rights movement clearly was not that. And um, and I, I think that instead of seeing that work is unfinished, we have instead made them or the people like us 
often have made the move that the work was a lie. Ooh, wait a minute. So I want to I want to make sure I understand what you're saying. So are you saying that when, for example, historians dig up um, the fact that Martin Luther King Jr. was essentially a, a kind of serial philanderer, like mm-hmm. he slept around a lot. Is that the kind of giving up you're talking about? Uh, that, yeah. Is that the kind of saying, though, that was a lie because we have these flawed leaders and they, and they, yeah. they screwed around and they, they were dishonest at times and la la la? That, that's one flavor of it. It takes uh-huh. a variety of flavors, okay. uh, but, but that is one flavor of it, sure. Okay. Hmm. Hmm. Mm. Well, I, 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 th- I was thinking that your progressives may have been too quick to give up certain things, but I think at, at, the, at the base of it all, like there was a critique of capitalism, there was a critique of of labor, not of labor unions, of, you know, having fair labor practices. There were the other things that were involved there. And so I think when people feel like their leaders have to be perfect, obviously that's a problem because there's no perfect leader. You can always find something going on with that person because they're human. What I was exhausted, what I'm trying to figure out is could the, um, could the civil rights, civil rights uh, movement been based upon something other than the American dream. And as you guys talk, I'm like still thinking through it could have been based on socialism, could have been based on some other economic system or social system that could have been more of a, um, could have been less based in obtaining something. Mm -hmm. See, I I actually, my initial response to that is a really emphatic no. And here's why. Mm Mm-hmm. What I immediately think of, Stephen, is that part of the reason that the civil rights movement, well, no, actually the, the large part of the reason why the civil rights movement worked is, I think, sort of two aspects of the same thing. One is that they were calling upon a dream that rhetorically, at least, basically mm. since the foundation of the U.S. as a nation state, mm-hmm. okay. had been held out to everyone. We hold these truths to be self-evident, right? Mm -hmm. That we all are endowed by the creator with certain inalienable rights Mm -hmm. among them. Life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. happiness. This Mm -hmm. was was the glue, right? This was the promise that was held out to all of us. So -hmm. basically the civil rights movement said, you held this out. It's in your constitution. Mm -hmm. You have to give this to us. And then the other aspect is... It was a strategy, yeah. Go ahead. Right, but the (laughs) other aspect is by bringing... And I feel like Cornel West here when I do this because he's always (laughs) doing that. Anyway, by bringing up the violence that was inherent in segregation, by making it bringing it to the surface by making it clear to the rest of the world how truly violent this structure is and was. Mm-hmm. They were also saying this is untenable because you can't live this way. Right. right. You cannot live with this, with this violence, right? So it, it, there's a way in which 
I don't think the civil rights movement could have been based on socialism or another system mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. that wasn't so much about obtaining things because part of what made it powerful was that it was asking for the very things that everybody else had or needed and they recognized that on some level. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I agree with that. Yeah. Foundationally. Absolutely. African-American economic prosperity was intimately bound up with the civil rights movement. I mean, oh, yeah. you, you I mean the the sort of ec- economic prosperity that began to blossom in places like Atlanta, you know, mm-hmm. were, were fueled. I, I mean, almost uh, you, they could demand their seat at the table, right? Mm-hmm. Their their money their money spent, right? Mm-hmm. As the mm-hmm. as the saying goes. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. you know, I have um I don't any longer. I certainly used to. I don't any longer have the knee-jerk reaction against capital and capitalism that mm-hmm. I used to. It doesn't mean it doesn't mean that I think I'm certainly not a a, a booster for laissez-faire capitalism or anything like that. But mm-hmm. uh, I, th- Steph and I had talked about this. I, I don't think you. I think it was an early podcast uh, before you you or it might have just been an off week. But you know, I, to me, it, people that are unequivocally. Uh, that that use capital as a shorthand mm-hmm. for critique have to have to deal with the fact that uh, hunger has been significantly diminished since the advent of capitalism. Medicine has been exponentially expanded since the advent of capitalism. Mm -hmm. Slavery as an institution died on capitalism's watch. These were, these were, I mean, Mm. poverty and slavery have been with us, you know, since basically fifth century millennia. I mean, you know, 5,000 BCE. Mm -hmm. I I mean, and, and, and that has been a limp, that has all but not disappeared. Thank you. But but no 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 no. It's a, and, yeah, it, listeners listeners don't get to see Stephen's face. He's like he's, just, he's, just like, like, he's like, he's like don't go there. Don't go there. You're approaching the line. You're approaching uh, the line. So, okay. So it, I I understand the ways in which all but mm-hmm. I. Uh, I'm sorry. No, no. Go ahead, Stephen. Go ahead. No, just I, I just wanted you to continue. So it's almost all but yeah. been eliminated on. The, uh, in, in at least rhetorically, right? You can't say it unapologetically or without uh, outside of very closeted communities anymore. It's definitely true. The prison industrial complex has continued uh, racial segregation mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Uh, and and what I sometimes call forced escapes, which is that you basically force these other people to do the work that you don't want your body to do. So yeah. mm-hmm. so I so I I get that. But but even that, even that you've had to push this reality into the dark corners of society is a kind of progress that has happened with all of its flaws under a system of capitalism. Now, I'm not saying, you know, I'm not I'm not I'm not wanting to like you're rationalizing it in a way and. Well, no, let, let me let me give you this coda and, okay. then, and then you can jump in. That's not saying that I don't think we can move forward. Okay. Right. That's not saying that I think this is I'm not like in a Francis Fukuyama, like this is the best system there is. I don't mean that. Mm-hmm. But I but I do mean that perhaps a la early Marx, this is a necessary stage 
this the kind of material prosperity that emerges from a capitalist system is a necessary stage of development um, and is not something to disdain, but is something to incorporate and move on from. Yeah, I'm okay with that argument, actually. Um, mm-hmm. I, I do think that most essentialist arguments tend to break down under serious examination. Mm-hmm. Scrutiny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so back to this question, which is still troubling me. So are we, is there a way to live without a noble myth? I think we're, we're, we're kind of circling around this, uh, the drain <laughs> that says basically no. Like it's not, right? I mean, it seems like we are all sort of mm-hmm. saying, well, given at least, I think tra- if I may speak for you for a moment, Travis, I think, Travis, Please. what you're saying is that historically, at least, there's been absolutely no indication that we could do any different. Yeah, that is mm. what I think. Yeah, that's mm. that's a fair summary. Yeah. Huh. Wow. Damn. Damn. I find that slightly disappointing. <laughs> uh, please continue. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I mean, so the, part of part and parcel of being a human being is that of all the animals on the planet, we are the ones that are the most gifted in terms of sheer brain power, right? This was, this sure. was, the, this was the evolutionary sort of off-the-beaten-path track, right? Mm-hmm. Most of the other animals on the planet have some kind of camouflage, some kind of poison barb, some kind of for some mm-hmm. kind of system of defense and offense. Mm-hmm. We are the animals that have the most ridiculously long gestation periods. Mm-hmm. Very. We, right? <laughs> like yes. ridiculously long before we're able to like kind of make it on our own. And we don't have any of those tools. So this was the, this was the sort of evolutionary, I, I want to use, I want to use, not cul-de-sac, but like, some byway that um, was a real chance, right? It was a real mm-hmm. roll of the dice. And we've managed to gain consciousness in a way that makes us sort of masters of this world, right? Mm-hmm, like it's mm-hmm. undeniably we control what, what mm-hmm. the fuck goes on mm-hmm. on this globe. Mm-hmm. And yet we can't figure out a way to look each other in the eye every day and say, okay, this is the world we built. It's really, really, really imperfect. How do we mm-hmm. like just put our shoulders to the wheel and make it a little bit, bit better? Mm-hmm. Like why is there no sort of organizing principle that can bind us to that, that ethos, to that, to that desire? I just, I'm, I'm, Honestly, every single day of my life, I'm flummoxed by that. I just don't understand how human beings can look at each other and say, yeah, it's fine that I have five houses on this continent alone, and the guy I'm walking over has nothing. I'm mm-hmm. really fine with that. I just, I, I'm, I'm flabbergasted. Hmm. I yeah. just don't get it. So... Uh, yeah, I, 
I, you know, I think at that point, I think we're sort of talking about, uh, you know, sort of shades of gray, right? Because we probably, so I, of course, that sort of obscene displays of wealth um, are, I mean, to me and you and, and probably people we would care to, to share a meal with uh, is uh, shameful, right? Is something mm-hmm. to be ashamed of. Um, but there are other displays of wealth that we are more comfortable with, right? So, you know, probably if you own a house, you know, maybe a house and a small boat or, you know, like, like there's there's a list of things that mm-hmm. that that we probably aren't going to trip that anxiety for us. And there are uh, enormous sick that that Ro- Rohingyan, uh, you know, yes. with all the there's a six hundred six hundred thousand people yes. are living in like I don't know it's like you know three or f- I mean it's more than that but it's just a few miles wide. I mean that's the refugee right. crisis there. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah. and of course uh, I mean you know the. the I'm not saying that we should, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not really saying anything other than uh, it is a deeply imperfect world, is a deeply imperfect system mm-hmm. um, that we can only iteratively improve. Hmm. And, 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 and I don't think we can revolutionarily improve it. I, I, I am deeply afraid of revolutions because uh, terrible things happen in them to people that are more or less innocent. Hmm. Um, and hmm. who uh, and so I, I am very much a champion of, of iterative improvement based on this noble lie, based on based on the myth. You know, I, I use lie because it's a little bit more provocative, but I would just want to mm-hmm. probably call it the, the noble myth, the noble mythology that mm-hmm. that that even though it's not today, that that we are because inherently as pro-social primates with, you know, that have some sense of like, oh, I want the world inside to comport to the world outside, that if we keep following. Following that, 100, 400, 500, 1,000 years from now, the world is going to look a damn sight better than it looks now. Now, not in my lifetime or your lifetime. No, Stephen, please, I'm, I'm saying a lot. So you jump in. Sorry, <laughs> you're skeptical of that. No, no, it's just my face. I just go, will it get better, Travis? I don't know. <laughs> I'm not. Do you really think, do you really think that today the world for. I can't even get it out because I'm not even, I can't even frame the question convincingly enough because I'm already arguing with myself before I ask it. <laughs> well, so, actually, I can, I can do that. I can do this one for you. <laughs> okay, please, okay. Please, because, please do. Please because do. actually, I think I'm kind of on your side because I think on this one in that someone, I, and I was reading the New Yorker actually a couple of weeks back and, and, the, and the, the, the writer, I, I forget uh, his name. It may have been Adam Gopnik, but I'm not sure. But he made mm-hmm. the argument basically that these things, and, and instead of using the word iterative, he, he used the word sort of, um, the word, um, oh, what was it? I think episodic, maybe? Mm. But basically, he said, we do, we do make these, these inroads. We do make these advances every so often. And then even though we slip back, we don't slip all the way back. Like, mm-hmm. he, he talked about, like, housing at the mm-hmm. turn of the 20th century. Look at what Jacob Reese uh, documented, right? Look at how children working in factories. Like mm-hmm. as we came to the point in the late 20th century where labor unions were powerful enough that they could guarantee essentially person with a high school education mm-hmm. to be able to have a job most of their lives uh, uh, through which they could save buy a house, buy a car, and send their children to college. 
Mm-hmm. We've slipped back mm. now, but we have not slipped all the way back to having 10-year-olds working in mm. factories 18-hour mm. shifts. So mm-hmm. there is, I think, something to be said for this notion of incremental progress. Iterative. Okay. Okay. Yes. I'll give you that <laughs> because it's not happening. That's true. Yeah. Um, I I think your metaphor or your um, your thought about it might have might have been more poignant if we if we knew more about housing, right? And if we knew mm. more about the labor unions that are really disempowered right now, they're just continuously right. are being mm. sort of pulled apart. Right. But I get what both of you are saying. I'm just. I am, I'm probably not in the state, emotional, mental state to say things are getting better when I feel very much like, and feel, and and also think about what progress looks like. You know, you're right. The civil rights movement earlier, Travis, you said it worked. And I was like, it did? (laughs) Um, How did it work? There, on the books, there are laws, but... Sometimes police, the justice system ignores those laws. Okay, but look, but 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 look at the, but look at the color of the New York City police force. Look at the color of the Chicago police. It never force. was about look color. At, it's all about blue. I mean, if we're talking about color, we're talking about blue. We're talking about those people are not there to necessarily be beneficial to the public. I won't paint all police officers as being. Um, evil or um, pawns of the system, but I will definitely right. say, I mean, we could just look at the last four or five years of blacks being shot, unarmed blacks being shot, men, women, children, virtually no convictions, virtually no um, even charges brought up. So to, to not to push back, because obviously you know that I, uh, I find uh, those instances abhorrent, and I think that there is something uh, deeply mm-hmm. embedded in the American psyche that makes uh, people afraid of black male bodies. I think that is uh, absolutely real. Uh, oh, black know, bodies and pe- I'm about bodies to say, yeah. yeah, yeah, black mm-hmm. bodies in general, but particularly the black male body. I think is perceived as in its figure as a threat to the white psyche. I think. Uh, yeah. I mean. I, I, I mean, we could have a podcast. I mean, there's, I, oh. I think it's all over film, really. I, I mm-hmm. mean, but, but mm-hmm. uh, in representations in film. But, but mm-hmm. anyway, the, uh, so to, to bracket that just for a second, um, mm-hmm. even though I think that that is is real, I, I, I recently, um, and it, it's the jury is out on whether uh, this the numbers the actual numbers of shooting deaths by police and numbers of times that weapons are drawn on uh, American citizens, the the jury is out whether it happens to African-Americans more than it happens to other demographics. Uh, there are there isn't a lot of good information nationally on what the rates of violence are against uh, African Americans versus uh, whites, and, and the one study that I'm aware of in the Houston area, it's it's about even. It actually looks like whites white men have uh, the police draw their weapons on them at a slightly higher rate than weapons are drawn on. Uh, Black men. Does this now, um, result in death? Oh, and also the point, I guess no. I want to make just by taking blackness out of it and simply saying when we talk about color on the pol- color on the police force, mm-hmm. that I don't know if that's a plus or a minus is what I was saying. 
Yeah, I get that. That's I think that's fair, and I understand. I I guess I'm going from a, I'm I'm making a, a more simple um, claim that is is perhaps problematic and flawed, uh, which is that that people of color, you know, so race is the raison d'etre in the United States as far as like in group and out group, or it has been for most of our history. Mm-hmm. I'm saying that in the 20th and 21st century more non-white bodies have access to power and corridors of power than non-white bodies had prior to the mid-20th century. And that mm-hmm. on on America, on, that on the terms that we have established in the United States is decidedly a kind of progress. Decidedly, exactly. But not necessarily real progress if we're uh, just yeah, simply put it filling in sure. the bodies and filling in the bodies with right. the same attitudes. Yeah, absolutely. Right, 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 mm-hmm. right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a you're making a I would say you're making a a, a more trenchant argument against the kind of system that we have I, that I'm not I'm not actually pushing back against. I don't because I don't I may actually just agree with you. I the the reason I hesitated on the question. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, Seth, go ahead. Seth, you're about to jump in. Well, uh, I two things, and I and I and I hes- I'm hesitating because, well, I'll just say them. Um, you said this to me a long time ago, Travis. You actually may have said it in a podcast, but I don't think so. I think it was a, a one-on-one conversation. You said one of the categorical differences between now and life. Let's just say, let's just say pre-1964, because that's when they passed the Civil Rights Act, la la la, mm-hmm. and there was a sort of trio of acts mm-hmm. that that sort of were the sort of culmination of this, the classic civil rights movement, right? The House Fair Housing mm-hmm. Act, Civil Rights Act, and the um, the Voting Rights Act. And then I want to make a more simple analogy once I'm get once I got done with this one. Um, once I get done with this one, I I think that, and this is what Travis kind of said to me in that conversation. He said, "I think that basically you can look black people pre 1964 could look at their white neighbors." And, and point at them and say, "There, those are the people that harmed me. Those are the mm. people mm. that that used their pickup truck to run over my uncle." Right. Mm-hmm. Now that won't happen. Ninety nine percent of the time, those people down the road will not just with with complete impudence, with complete sense of um, uh, yeah, right. uh, 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 agency, run your uncle over with their tractor because they or their pickup truck because they know that there are consequences they will have to face now. That's a categorical right. difference. And also, I, I want to make the simple, just a real simple argument. Mm-hmm. When would you rather live? Would you rather live in the America of the 1950s or 60s or would you rather live now? Mm. Wow, wow. That is a loaded question. It's not a fair question. It's it, not really a fair I, you, Yeah, you understand. It's like, can I not live in either one of those and get a third, right. and get a third thing? It's a little bit better than this, too, you know? Um, right. But I, I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. I'm just not um, satisfied with the rate of what we call progression, even if it's yeah, um, iterative it, or incremental. Yeah. It feels very, um, it feels more talk than um, action, even though they're the laws, they're the consequences. Not always, though. Not always the consequences. I agree. Mm-hmm. I and agree. the very things that you mentioned, so housing, voting, what was the third one? 
It was the Voting Rights Act, housing, Fair Housing Act, and it was the Civil Rights Act. Civil and those Act. are the three things that people are trying to erode right now. <laughs> You're right. You're like, absolutely yeah. right. Oh, you know, oh with, yeah. We have to win, right? We have to keep fighting. Uh, it's not, they're not giving, you know, yeah. the people that... Uh, Absolutely. There are entrenched power structures that want to push back against those incremental mm-hmm. and insufficient progress. Yes, but absolutely, fuck them. Like we, <laughs> fuck them. It twice. doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that we. It doesn't mean that we've been wrong all these years. It means that we haven't gotten it right yet, it, it, and that mm-hmm. and that that's something to keep working towards. And I'm that, sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh no, just I I. I, I Apologize for interrupting you. It wasn't that we were wrong. It's just that after all of this, there's still more to do. And I think that that if intergenerationally, I think mm. that maybe that wasn't passed down enough or clearly yes. enough. But also mm. the distractions are different. You I know, hear that. I agree with that. The distractions that, yeah. are very, very different. So when I watch, I've watched people argue from different generations. I was at a Black Panther uh, film festival once, and I'm listening to this guy go to a group of kids. You know, you don't know what we did for you. you you're not, you're not, you're not happy with that. You know, you don't know what we what we sacrificed. And mm. there were two kids just going, "We don't know who you are. We don't know what your sacrifice was." And oddly, both were right, and both both were wrong. Mm-hmm. And there, yeah. I was like, "Well, how could I just jump in this and sit with these people for the next thirty years and talk about, you know, here are the things that you guys are missing." You know, here are the mm-hmm. things you're missing because people are like, you know, shit, I've been living intergenerational poverty. What the fuck did you do for me, Black Panthers? <laughs> you know, and vice versa. Right. But right. they're very, it's, it's, and it also ignores so many of the things that have put them in that conversation in the first place, you know, in terms yeah. of that dialogue. So, but it's like, there's just so much to do. And it's, it's, um, it's, it, like what you said earlier, um, Seth, about it's like, how can people do what they do? And I said, well, it's just this cognitive dissonance, you know, being able mm-hmm. to say, I worked very hard for what I got. What mm-hmm. are you doing? You know, and that's part of the American dream, too. <laughs> that yeah, idea. Yeah. yeah, that entitlement. Yeah, absolutely. That entitlement. entitled to live. Yeah. You know, um, so I want to, I kind of, I, I kind of want to end on a, on a really skeptical note. <laughs> I'm, I, I apologize beforehand, but I'm shocked. <laughs> here's the thing. Here's the thing that is the sobering issue for me. Yeah, Travis, I think you're right in that it's an iterative process, and maybe in a hundred years, a thousand years, our society will look completely different from where we are now. The problem is, my ex-girlfriend Caroline went to visit the CERN site, C-E-R-N, uh, with Hadron Collider. Uh, yeah, in, sure, in, sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Freaking fantastic, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And she, she said that she asked one of the scientists there how long he gives the human race to survive. You know, given all this happening with climate change in a way that, we're, mm-hmm. that we are effectively killing the ecosystem that supports us. Mm-hmm. He said 50 years. So that's the thing, right? Like we, our noble myths, our, our, our sense of progress, our iterative uh, 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 actions kind of don't mean anything if we don't survive. And really there's a question as to whether we, we will. Ah, if we can get to that progress. If we yeah. can get to that so- progress. So the only so I'll end I'll end on a defiant note. Not a defiant. So <laughs> so so fuck that white coat 
appeal to authority bullshit. I don't care what that egghead said about how long we've got to live. He doesn't know. He doesn't know. He doesn't know. He's like uh, he's playing with subatomic them. particles. That doesn't give him special knowledge about the future of the human race. So. Kind of does. <laughs> but okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Maybe. <laughs> so, um, so gentlemen, thank you very much for uh, being patient with my very poor internet today. Uh, no, no worries. And, uh, no worries. And uh, I'll talk to you next week. Thank you. Okay. Take care.